Welcome to the Kickstart Garage, where we want to inspire and educate the leaders of tomorrow. Join us as we learn from the best in the business. Welcome back to the Kickstart Garage. I am your host, Gavin Quigley, and I'm accompanied by my co-host, Sam John Byrne. On today's show, we are joined by guest number four of our Magnate 100 series in Kevin Owens. Kevin is most well-known for being founder and CEO of Sneaker Cleaner, Ireland's personal shoe care service, which has been flying this year with notable press releases in the Irish Times and on Today FM and, and Lad Bible as well. And uh, he's also been mentored by some pretty cool names in, in Magnate's own Gareth Flower, uh, as well as Jamie White. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me, lads. It's a huge pleasure to be on here with you both. We appreciate it. I know it's lovely weather today and you probably prefer to be out there enjoying it. So we appreciate the time. Uh, we won't, uh, won't waste any time. We'll, we'll jump straight into uh, into things today. Uh, so tell me, Kev, you know, you obviously, you started your business at what I would call a, a ridiculously young age. And so I felt it was appropriate to just jump right into it. Uh, so let's let's talk about uh, like pre-sneaker cleaner, growing up, etc. What were your, your biggest interests uh, outside of business when you were growing up? Yeah, so before uh, before Sneaker Cleaner, I was huge into doing videos and that kind of carried me up into the beginning of last year. Um, but like all kind of during in sixth class, I had a YouTube channel and then um, first and second year of uh, when I was in school in Belvedere, I kind of picked up the video there and um, I was with Thomas Arnold. You had him on the podcast there before and he kind of showed me uh, the ropes and then another guy, Conrad Offerman who was also in Belvedere, he kind of uh, showed me how to actually make money out of out of making videos. So that's what I did in majority um, up to the time of Sneaker Cleaner and uh, up to mostly last year um, until COVID hit me. And then that's when I kind of took off with Sneaker Cleaner. But Sneaker Cleaner was always ticking in the background. It's just uh, at that time, you can make more money on videos. Yeah, 100%. I mean, just look at what, what Tom is doing at the moment over with uh, the Go House LA. I, I watch every episode of that. I think it's fantastic. Just the the dynamic of it all. I think he's, he's done really well uh, and a, a great person to kind of take study or take notes from as well. Um, and I noticed you're you're currently studying visual communications in, in TUD, I believe. I saw that you're you're big into like video photography. I mean, just what you're saying there, you're also supporting Garrett and Magne with the, the UI UX side of things. Is that like your biggest passion? I know you said it's it's a good way to also like make money. It's another income stream, but would, would videography and that kind of thing be one of your, your biggest passions at the moment? Yeah, like with the UX UI design, I just kind of I just kind of found that I was naturally good at it and just kind of naturally enjoyed uh creating something that's visually pleasing if uh, if that makes sense and um working in with the magnet guys and other entrepreneurs i kind of use it as a as a networking tool to get in there as a young lad um because i think when approaching these uh these big boys and big um big entrepreneurs it's it's good to have a bit of value to give back to them for their time yeah yeah you're dead right man um i've noticed that even just from from listening to you and uh looking at your linkedin and stuff that for someone at your age like you're you've really got that networking mindset which is something i i wish i had when i was in college mainly because that's when you've got all these people around you and it's when you can kind of go and reach out to these people so tip my hat to you there man fair play and you know i'll be i'll be dead honest and i've said it on the podcast before I think that college is a real case of like needing to be in the right course at the right time 
other words or other way otherwise it's kind of just going to like drift by you know that's what happened with me well most colleges and, and universities now operating 100 remotely what has your experience been like and do you feel like you're you're getting the right uh bang for your book so to speak yeah like i i started in tud there this year so i haven't really met many of my classmates at all yet um i think i was i was in on campus there three days and i met a third of the class which is a bit frustrating and um, because one of kind of my biggest strengths is to meet people in person and create a relationship from there i wouldn't be very good at texting or keeping communication on the phone um but like the whole kind of college environment at the moment it's uh it's quite stop start but um i think it's also very important it's kind of like the leaving cert as well i think it's very important to especially at a young age like myself to have something that you need to discipline yourself on and kind of get the head down even though you don't like it just um find the discipline out of it and just um keep with that graft you know because uh, i think that's a big lesson to learn um especially in sixth year and um first year college to just kind of keep your head down and have that skill underneath the belt yeah 100 man like i've got i've got three brothers but one of them is just doing his leaving cert now so he's just at that awkward time where like you have to put all your energy into it but there's even more like autonomy now in, in the studying side of things because everyone's kind of just at home i have another brother in second year in commerce as well who's kind of missing out to a degree on that like college lifestyle as i'm sure you're kind of missing out a little bit as well but what you said there about just you just need to knuckle down and you just need to put the work in and by doing that it creates that habit so that when you do go and Maybe you start a business or you go and you, you take a job and you start a career. You've got that in your brain to work hard and to like put a shift in from nine to five. So I think I think you're dead right in, in your answer there. It's, it's important that no matter what the environment is and, you know, maybe things are going against you to just do what you can do and focus on the things you can control. Um, You know, Kev, you're you're doing a ton of deadly things at the moment, man. I've got to say, I respect it a lot. And I want to know, uh, this is something that I always ask people, you know, like, what is your daily routine like? Are, are you like a, a go with the flow kind of dude or do you like having things planned out in advance? Um, well, to kind of kick off the day, I usually like I have the alarm set for, for six, usually get up at seven with all the snoozes and uh, then I kind of kick off from there. Um, I kind of have main things planned out in the calendar. So all the things that I need to remember, I would have put down the calendar. So then I kind of have a free brain walking around. I'm not thinking of loads of things I need to remember. Um, and I really find that helpful. I picked that up from Jamie White um, when I was working on there uh, about two years ago. Uh, he kind of really uh, pushed into me that whenever you have kind of a solid plan, like when you asked me on the on the podcast here, as soon as we kind of confirmed the date and the time, it went straight into the, into the Google calendar and, by doing that it kind of uh sets up like a an automation if you want to call it that and uh then you know for a fact if it's not on the calendar then it, it wasn't confirmed or it wasn't planned and yeah you're really confident in yourself and your decision making from there and um, because you you have that so much confidence in yourself that um that you did something correctly like you know um but yeah like i i genuinely just uh usually kind of have the main things planned out in the google calendar what time i'm going to uh what time I'm going to have lunch and dinner and stuff. Cause that's a big thing for me. I usually forget to eat. Um, and, um, yeah, that's kind of it. Um, other than that, it's kind of go with the flow. It's kind of firefighting in the mornings and, uh, kind of trying to fix a few problems with shoes and, um, customer service and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's the thing with entrepreneurship. It's kind of like controlled chaos. Like, yeah, you know, schedule the fence from chaos and whim, have the calendar set out. But at the end of the day, things are going to always like knock you off your feet. You need to be able to just uh, rebound and, and take it on the chin. You know, I'm sure that's what you're going through. Uh, so let's talk about sneaker cleaner, Kev. I mean, I uh, I just bought a, a brand new pair of white Air Max there for the summer. And uh, I'm already so paranoid. Like, they're going to be filthy after the first night out. So, you know, I want to know what exactly made you launch your business. I think it was back in November 2017. I saw and what has the journey been like up until this point? Yeah, so I kind of uh, realized that there's a bit of an opportunity there when I, I, like, one of the days I was in PE and I seen the lads and they were all running around playing football in the muck in, like, 200, 250-year-old runners, like, wearing Vapor Maxes, 270s and stuff like that and i was like geez these boys are paying a lot of money to be just running with them in the dirt like you know um and then at that time i was kind of noticing the kind of sneaker culture like people were queuing up for yeezys and stuff like that yeezys were big back then and quite a limited shoe and uh, compared to now when they're fairly they're fairly general release but um yeah i just kind of seen that kind of uh the kind of hype um going up in it but like um, from where we are now, like we don't really get that many Yeezys in. We don't really get that, that much sneaker culture gear in. Like it's mostly just regular high end shoes or just regular shoes in general. And how have you found it that it's been going with like uh, COVID and everything like that? Like has that kind of boosted the business, boosted sales or has that a negative effect? What have the kind of changes been like? Yeah, with COVID, it was, uh, I think it was a bit of a blessing in disguise Um like I've made so many more relationships with people that I wouldn't have probably never made um, because like you do take the effort to hop on the Zoom calls and I think it actually has been a great networking opportunity because people do have that 15 minutes to hop on a call on their lunch break or whatever um, because otherwise they'd be walking the half an hour to get to the coffee shop and then walking another half an hour to get back like you know um, but like with COVID um, it's, it was been great because it kind of stopped it in its tracks stopped uh, sneaker cleaning its tracks tracks because the way it was set up was um you would message through the instagram page and then we'd organize that we'd meet at on grafton street at 3 p.m beside the christmas tree or whatever it was and uh and it was very manual and laborsome like that but now with the with the website um the first time i actually know that this like the certain pair of shoes is being booked in was when it when it arrives in our door which is uh which is amazing like yeah, I think that the COVID, the first thing that I noticed with COVID is that all the kind of small, medium Irish businesses were kind of just forced into moving online. But with someone like yourself, who's agile enough to just create a website quickly, I'd say you were able to kind of beat that initial downturn and kind of just, just ride the wave of that that move to digital. Um, Talk to us about, about like starting a business when you were still in school. So like I mentioned there a minute ago, my brother's still, in, he's in sixth year and if if he told uh, us he was starting and launching a business around like the leaving sir, I'd say my parents would just kill him. Like, did you find it difficult that you're like, you know, juggling loads of plates in those early stages? Uh, yeah, like one of the like one of the key things I would say to kind of young people starting off the business, whether it's in college or still in secondary school, is you have to keep the parents on side because if the parents aren't happy, then nothing's gonna get done. Like you know, because the last thing you want is. Uh, is you to be out in the office and then your parents to be upset that you're out in the office all the time and then because they're upset you don't want to go home and that just makes the the issue worse like you know so at all costs you keep the mother and father on side like um but like balancing it at that time i was kind of doing a lot of video work and 
to be honest with you, it wasn't really that balanced. There was a lot swayed by, like by sneaker cleaner and by the video work, and uh, it was just a bit of a weird situation because I remember failing um a business exam, but uh, like I had like a pair like ten pairs of shoes in a Louis Vuitton bag in my locker, like you know, and walk around with a fair bit of cash in the wallet. And just didn't really make sense. So I always I always kind of had that uh, that kind of feeling that okay, yeah, this kind of has to happen now and it's kind of part of the process, but uh, I, I reckon I'll be all right once I get out. You know, I, I'm not really too worried, but I did. I still still ended up getting into like a savage course that I'm really proud of getting into. And that was mostly because my mom like um, forced me to do the portfolio because once again, I was working, heading to work. And then she dragged me out of bed the night before it was, it was due and uh, got all the stuff together. And I did pretty well and got in. I'd say you're thanking your lucky stars you had it there, man. It, it sounds like she kind of gave you some good advice and she wasn't too hard on you. I know it's like, it's such a difficult time, kind of like when you're like 17, 18, most people don't really get along well with their parents. So it's actually quite nice to hear that, that you were kind of putting your relationship with them first. Uh, and it's obviously turning out quite well. So fair play to her. Um, talk to us then about like, like the current plans for the business. I saw you, you put an Instagram post up announcing you were hiring a new uh, shoe technician there last month. Have you got like multiple people working with you now? And, and what does, you know, the rest of the year and, and the, the future look like for you? Yeah, it's great. Um, we uh, we took on a, a full-time person there, Kate. Uh, she's she's really good at the at the job and she's really steady stone in the business and it allows me to have a bit more flexibility, like uh, a bit more time off as well. Because beforehand, I used to have to get up in the mornings like every morning and let, let someone in and like I just didn't really have the same trust with the people that I had on contract than the person I have like uh, as a full-time employee like you know so um I said to her when she when she came in that this is kind of your workshop and you're kind of uh you're kind of responsible for everything that goes on in here like you know so um it, it's great it gives me like so much freedom but like the the plan for uh for the next coming few months it's uh it's looking pretty good it's um we we're gonna try and train up a few more people and hopefully get another guy full-time um because it's just great to have that full-time person and uh, like i said already and during the summer we're we're nailed down in brown thomas for six weeks we're doing a, a pop-up shop in brown thomas it's really exciting and uh, there's a few other bits along the along the along the line which aren't confirmed yet but um, I'm really looking forward to that Brian Thomas thing. It'd be, it'd be cool to see how that uh, kicks off. Yeah, it sounds good. I, I think in the early stages, it's really important that you like hire the right people. I think it can kind of like derail the train if you hire someone terrible in the early stages. Did you, how did you go about hiring? I mean, Kate, you said, shout out to Kate. Was it like you, you threw up a, something on social media or did you know her before? Or? Yeah, so I actually did know her. I went to primary school with her, but um during the whole process we didn't like message each other and like that it was all very formal but like the kind of process i did was had a google form just on the website and threw everyone towards the google form on the website and then after after they handed in their cv and the cover letter and stuff like that i sent them on a personality test to kind of see how they work and if they'd be up for the job because cleaning shoes is a very kind of niche personality type like you need to be fairly uh like a a perfectionist and uh, like you need to know you need to like really enjoy starting a job and working way all the way through to to finish like you know and to be trust trustworthy and punctual and stuff like that so 
that's why I threw the personality tests and that was kind of the second screen in the in the interview process um, and then I just asked people in for training days as well and to kind of give them a little trial and see um, how they were with their hands and stuff like that and uh, it was kind of it was nearly like a three-part process to be honest with you yeah i remember gareth flair said that to me and sam before and that like that's one of the most intelligent things you can do when you know going into business with someone or, or hiring someone is to do that personality test figure out like what motivates them how they problem solve and what like what's going to give them the most amount of fulfillment in a role you know the introverted extroverted so i don't know you're, you're dead right to do that and it's obviously quite a good learning experience as well Let's, uh, let's talk about a common topic on business podcasts these days, and it's the topic of scale. You know, it might be a little bit earlier or early to ask you this question, but like you've gone from keeping customers' shoes in your locker at school to operating online. And I saw that sales had increased by staggering like 900% in the first three months of 2021. So, you know, round of applause for you there, Kev. I'm sure you want to see this growth continue. And you, you've mentioned you're, you're bringing people on full time. You're going to have a pop-up in Brown Thomas shortly, which is fantastic. Like, do you have plans in place for like a specific achievement or are you looking to take on an investor at some stage to facilitate taking on more people and, and, and you know, training them up? Yeah, like I've had chats with investors and um, like friends and family and stuff like that. But at the moment, I think the like the profit margin is pretty good and we have a nice bit of a float to kind of make sure things are still growing as I like them. Um, but at the same time, we're, we're taking on investors. Uh, it's like for me at the moment, I'm 20. It's a bit of a scary thing to do, especially with college and stuff like that. Like I wouldn't like to be taking on a large amount of money um, while still being in college and stuff like that. Um, but scale-wise, um like the kind of plan is to see how Brown Thomas gets on and trying to keep them customers that I gain in Brown Thomas to uh, be recurring. And um, we're starting to see a, a bit of a trend with recurring customers, um, which is nice um, because what well, it's been six months now and uh, that seems to be the time that people recur is around the six month mark because the people that we were hitting in January have started coming back. So that's nice to see. Yeah, I'd say with, with things opening up now, I'm completely speculating here. I'm sure you've more of an insight than me, but with people going out, partying and drinking and with the summer months, hopefully it gets nice and busy. It's just, uh, just me speculating, but fingers crossed. I know you're currently working with Garrett at Magnate. And as you mentioned, you've been an apprentice of Jamie White's as well. Two businessmen, I have a ton of respect and admiration for how important do you think it has been to surround yourself with the right people to keep sneaker cleaner on the right trajectory? I think it's, I think it's the number one priority for me anyway. Like it's, uh, it's kind of in my blood to be uh, socializing and getting to know people. And with COVID, it's kind of been restricting my, uh, restricting that. And it's, it's quite a big frustration for me at the moment, but um, with my personality, it's, um, a big trait of mine is to ask advice or make big decisions and small decisions with that. Um, so it only kind of makes sense to have those core people around you that really have a strong background of business or a strong background in um, holistics like Jamie does. Um, because it's great to have the two boys. Gareth's amazing for business advice and stuff like that. And then you have, it's a bit of a yin and yang combo um, with Jamie because he, he's a lot more holistic and thinking of business um, 
through a personal point of view. So that kind of keeps me on the straight and narrow in terms of burnout and keeping the head correct. Because if the head goes and the whole business goes, like you probably know that yourself. Yeah, it's it's all mindset at the end of the day. Um. Anyway, we're going to flip over here and I'll, I'll ask you some kind of more uh, granular business type questions. And I, I do apologize in advance. I don't know what I was thinking when I was writing these. Or, <laughs> uh, probably I'd say the toughest questions that I've put into this show so far. So I'm sorry in advance, Kevin. But um, anyway, look, what I really enjoy about doing this podcast is getting to sit down and chat with various business owners in different industries. And with larger businesses, it can get quite difficult to sit down and chat with management. So I always appreciate these opportunities. So thanks, Kevin. Um, with that said, I'm going to stick my investor's hat on here and ask you some Shark Tank-like questions. So I, I hope you're ready for this, um, I suppose. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I suppose my my first question is uh, what I'd probably consider the most important is what is stopping someone setting up their own sneaker cleaning service and taking your slice of the pie? I suppose what's stopping them is time and this um, sure amount and volume of pairs that have gone through my hands. Like I've cleaned over seven hundred pairs of shoes um, over the four years that I've been in business, and uh, that's a very hard thing to do because. Um, I think the the value that I bring to the table when in uh, in like agreements is that I can I can tell exactly um, what a stain is, how to get it out, and what it feels like, what it smells like, everything about it. With like hundreds of pairs of shoes, and I think that's a that's a bit of a weird niche thing to know that not many people would know. Um, like. I'm part of kind of a, a shoe cleaning owners uh, group on WhatsApp and there's only about 20 of them. Um, and like the lads that'd be in that we well networked in the, in the shoe cleaning market in, in the world. And um, to say that it's about 20 people, um, that'd be very good at the, at the position that I'm in. Um, it's, a, it's, it's quite niche. And I think it's a very valuable asset to have kind of in the, in the tool belt. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same, along the same things when you mentioned there with time in terms of your business. It's almost like a race to the finish. Like if you can get that customer before your competitor, I think, and offer them the best service, they're more than likely going to stick with you anyway. Um, so I think, yeah, the more time you put in, the the, the greater it develops that uh, competitive edge for you. And it's, it's quite similar to, say, other, say, professions. I, I mentioned this previously on one of our other podcasts in terms of freelancing. Um, so I, I'd offer um, accounting freelance services on platforms like Fiverr. But for someone to compete with me, they'd have to go through the whole accounting process of, you know, getting the the uh, accredited um, chartered accountancy recognition, you know, and that takes like three years plus four years of college. It's like, who's going to wait to do that, you know? So it, 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 yeah, it's like you're already four years ahead of the game. Exactly, man. It's all, it's all time. But um, my next question is, and I, I'm going to get on to the bit, of, the bit about Brian, Brian Thomas as well, but this is just kind of something similar, is have you ever cons- uh, given any consideration to becoming, say, a licensed or verified third-party provider for a bigger brand such as you know Nike to add to that credibility, going by my own assumption that the target audience would be more likely sneakerheads? Yeah, so like um, I kind of mentioned before that the, the target audience isn't really sneakerheads. Um, so like... Um, like the target audience is uh, 25 to 34 year olds, male and female. Um, and then a weird kind of niche as well that's uh, that's popping in and out is um, 
is like 65 plus year olds that bring in their echo their clark echo shoes which is really weird like we have a scary amount of those coming in um and the the devil is they're actually really hard to clean um so that's kind of a weird uh, audience that we've seen to pick up um but i'm not complaining i'm not complaining um yeah but we're collaborating with bigger brands we've been approached by crep protect uh one of the the leading um shoe solutions uh, in the world are stocked in JD and basically every other shoe kind of lifestyle uh, shop that you can find. Um, I was on a call with the head of global marketing with them and um, we were about to kind of um, strike a deal, but they they tried to pull a fast one on me and I, I kind of called their bullshit on it. So quite thankful of that, um, which was a bit of a weird experience because it was one of the first times that I nearly got uh, done over, you know, um, and by such a big brand, it would have been quite upsetting. Um, so with that, um, we've kind of worked with smaller brands like Brown Thomas and like Sneakers uh, Eeyore and uh, Rejuvenator. We have a, fr- we have a, a wholesale agreement with um, um, Rejuvenator, which is great. And we're just waiting to pull the trigger on that. At the moment, we don't really see the, the demand for us selling cleaning products. But uh, when we do... Um, rejuvenator really match our brands with the sustainability with the recyclability of their product um so we'll probably go with them um but like brown thomas um so far they'd be hugely supportive it's really an amazing process um as as a design uh, like not only a business but as a design student and to be able to collaborate with their creative team on creating a stall creating a window and um it's been really cool and talk to us a bit about that because that, that was kind of one of my next questions I, I know you mentioned that that you had the pop-up shop with brown thomas earlier so i said um i kind of rephrase it to be uh why you say collaborate with brown thomas as opposed to say opening up a stall another stall on your own in terms of scale yeah like brown thomas is the is the perfect audience for us like if you were to try and target them on facebook you literally couldn't um but like we find that um the high-end shoes often work out a lot better for us. Like if you're to pay 80 or 90 quid um, for for a pair of shoes and then looking to get them cleaned, like you're paying 35 and most likely you're gonna you're gonna um end up needing like a midsole repaint or leather pair for that shoe as well. Um and then you'd be better off like with that service cost, you'd be better off buying a whole new pair of shoes. So we found a lot of customers get quite frustrated when when they when we ask them to uh to pay for like an additional service and then if they don't go for that they they're kind of let down because their shoe doesn't come back as well as they thought because simply we we can't really do it for them because they're not willing to pay for it if you get me um so with the high-end shoes it's better quality materials it's um, and people are a lot more willing to get them repaired because it's a it's a higher quality good that they're hoping to have for a longer time obviously you know technology in any industry could be a pretty disruptive force and uh, given given the nature of your operations being uh, very labor intensive in terms of the cleaning process, I assume it could it could be quite a bottleneck uh, in regards to time. So um, it would seem that your business model would you know would be ripe for technological disruption. And hypothetically, let's say some tech company invents a machine that you know you just plunk a pair of shoes and into it and it cleans it in five minutes. And this company seeks out to install these machines in various shoe stores. Um, that could have a pretty negative impact on your business unless you know you, you leverage that technology or, yourself. Um, 
So as I'm wondering, what kind of technological disruption do you see down the line and how do you think you could leverage it to your advantage? Um, well, like there's already shoe shining um, machines there, but people still go to the cobbler and get their shoes shined. Like, you know, so I kind of have a, a firm belief that even though um, like automation and machinery is going to take over a fair bit of our job, like there still is bespoke shoemakers, there still is bespoke um like suit makers um, and i think people are still going to want that that handcrafted and traditional feel to uh to the service um and that kind of personalized touch but like i've looked into like i was chatting to the lads in malaysia and southeast asia and um they one of the guys he's a franchise of 11 shoes um shoe cleaning stores all over southeast asia in in seven different countries and um, they've basically experimented with every shoe cleaning tool under the sun that's been invented and like they haven't found anyone that's actually half decent so I think it's just um, in terms of technology it's not a big enough market for people to kind of run after like hang on here lads let's let's spend two million on a on a on developing a shoe cleaning tool that only what a hundred shops are going to buy like you know have you ever you know this is another thing I kind of want to talk about uh, pricing models as well. Have you ever given any consideration of, you know, say converting your service into a subscription type model or even offering, you know, a subscription model as, as an option? I feel like given the level of wear and tear people experience with their, their runners and their shoes, um, it would be pretty fit for a, a subscription model. I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we experimented that before. We created a, a subscription called the Clean Club and... Um, and we were kind of experimenting with pricings and stuff like that, but like on average, each uh, each customer um like walks away after giving us like seventy or eighty euro, and that's on average. And if you were to multiply that by say say each each month, the customer gets uh, three pairs of shoes cleaned. So what are you saying there? You're what sixteen? I what thirty two maybe? At uh, three hundred and twenty three. Uh, euro on a subscription uh, in terms of services like we're better off paying like each month getting a new pair of shoes or two new pairs of shoes for that like you know so we we brought that out to the customers and um to a small group of customers that we've had for a long time to kind of uh mvp it and see what people think and basically all of them came backwards being like yeah like the subscriptions what 200 like what 120 euro a month but I can buy new, that means I can buy a new pair of shoes instead of getting it uh, getting them clean like you know so they much rather enjoy getting them getting themselves a new pair of shoes and getting them uh, that satisfaction from that rather than getting the shoes repaired and cleaned that's what we found anyway yeah there's also that like psychological aspect to it in terms of pricing you know kind of when you see that uh the monthly bill you... it's a hefty that's a hefty amount to be coming out of your out of your like out of your account each month like you know yeah exactly and i think when people see that they be they're more reluctant to kind of go with the once-off price so i think you probably yeah you made the right decision there um yeah well like it's definitely something like i would love to experiment in the future i just haven't figured out a way to wiggle it in yet you know yeah i suppose like if i were to make a suggestion or even just kind of throw out ideas there it'd be like offer a subscription model say not based on a monthly recurring fee but based on terms like you can get say three pairs of shoes cleaned per year for this yearly subscription you know yeah yeah yeah. something along those lines um yeah 
that's it's so, so, something to think about in double yeah, anyway. yeah i will think about that yeah because it's definitely something that i because like there's, there'd be no, like there's nothing better than like monthly recurring revenue like you know yeah yeah that's that's where the the good stuff is that's the end yeah. of the game that is yeah <laughs> anyway um one one important thing that i feel can reinforce your your value proposition is you know looking at the attrition rate and for those unaware of the concept it's the amount of customers you lose each year out of your customer base so retaining the same customer i feel should be the prime objective for all businesses and i say for an example apple are the kings of this and i first saw it when i was looking at their financials and it's pretty obvious to the to to the user of apple products or anybody you know but looking at their financials you could see a clear divergence between their sales uh like sorry their their sales general and admin costs and their revenue like it's just revenue keeps going up but their marketing expenses keep going down and that's when you know like their attrition rate is low so obviously this is attributed to their you know their closed system coupled with their you know outstanding products and excellent customer service and i think understanding why uh, customers leave is important to you know retaining future customers to mitigate uh, those kind of reasons as to why they leave so um my question is why do customers stop using your service and why would they use competitors instead? Yeah, I kind of brushed on this earlier on and a lot of it's got to do with expectation and letting customers down. So the way we kind of combat that is when people start conversations online through Instagram, through Facebook, we always ask them to send on a photo um, of their pairs or send on a video with the flash on. So we can see all the detail that's in it, all the marks, all the stains and stuff. And then we can give them a genuine expectation of what, if you buy this deep clean, if you buy this midsole repaint, this is what's, what this is what it's going to look like. Um, and this is how it's going to come back. And if they have that understanding of, okay, right, this coffee stain isn't going to come out perfectly, but the dark stains are going to come out, but this little bit of white still going to be there. And um, they're a lot more happier walking away because they knew that from the onset because if you uh because where we we find the biggest problem is when people don't start the conversation with us online they just go straight to the website and then their expectation is if they throw in a a pair of shoes that's five years old they're going to get a new pair back you know and that look like they've never been worn and that just simply isn't uh isn't doable uh from our point of view yeah customer experience is the aim of the game man um so obviously you can't have sales if people are you know unaware of your product and in the past it's clear that you know instagram has been pretty successful for you in terms of you know capturing attention and you know raising awareness but i was wondering how do you plan to scale your marketing efforts in order to attract um more attention to your business i think um like we we use a lot of inf- uh, influences at the moment we have evan evan hogan he's a first year marketing student in Maynooth uh, and he hopped on board to intern with us which is amazing huge help so he helps posting all the Instagram posts and he's a doing a savage like absolute beast job of messaging like uh, a lot of influencers like it's something like I would jump off a cliff doing like you know I just couldn't do that but uh, he's absolutely uh, he's like a horse doing it <laughs> which is great but uh, like what we do is we we hashtag gift a lot of um influencers so that means we give them the service we give them 100 percent off um in return for like um just feedback on like that's what we say oh we'd love feedback on the service and a lot of the times that results in an instagram post or a stories post and um, which also it gives us like by using influencers it gives us um 
like a trust uh, a trusting effect like you know because if you see joanne who has 20 20 000 instagram followers using sneaker cleaner and she trusts sneaker cleaner then why wouldn't you trust sneaker cleaner if joanne trusts sneaker cleaner like you know um so like we use um we use influence in, uh, influences a lot at the moment but um scaling um i like i kind of like the setup we have going with brown thomas so maybe we, we could team up with another kind of sustainable brand and maybe do a collab in some way i've also um always wanted to do like team up with uh like another huge uh, big industry in ireland in the kind of sneaker industry is customs so people kind of customize air force ones and other kind of shoes painting them stitching them and stuff so what i would love to do is i would love to go to a charity shop and find really beat up runners and uh, buy them for a euro and i'd clean them someone else would customize them and then we'd raffle them off or auction them off for charity for homeless charities um, and just kind of building building kind of um socially just kind of ways of um of helping out the community while gaining notoriety and gaining uh, eyes on the brands for for doing good things yeah i like the way you're going man i even like you, you look at the likes of what's gone viral these days what's getting organic impressions views traffic and it's like it's like this the start to finish projects on on tiktok and it's the the storytelling and stuff like that and i think your your brand your business in particular is kind of primed for for those kind of uh experiences anyway um so it's looking good yeah like with the, like with the facebook and instagram ads like i don't really have much success with them because i know myself and you probably know yourself sam that like um and gav that like you're immune to instagram ads and facebook ads at this stage like you, like you need you just glimpse at them and then your brain turns off for the millisecond that you scroll past it like you know um so like i i i can't really see how effective they are because i know myself that if i seen a sneak cleaner ad come up twice in one day i would need to get start getting pissed off with them like you know so um yeah yeah, I agree with you. And it's, it's almost getting to that stage uh, with YouTube ads for me. I, I watch a good bit of YouTube, probably more than anything else. Um, and I just keep getting bombarded with the same, like, really irrelevant ads. Like, I sell on Fiverr and I'm getting bombarded with ads to buy on Fiverr. They're trying to sell you, you. Yeah, I am me, you know. <laughs> so it wrecks my head. Uh, but and obviously, like YouTube is is a form of like Google Ads. Like that's how you set it up. And I think it's just it's time now for for innovation in that space. Um, I have a question for you because we're we're kind of going to finish up here, Kevin. We've asked you enough tough questions. I think Sam is doing his uh, best impression, like Laura Sugar or something. There, it's it's the investor's hat he's got on. <laughs> he's doing a good job. Yeah, man. you'll be ready to to do a seed round now at this stage. Um, the last question I have, it's listen, it's a bit cliche. I'll admit, I'm sure it's someone it's something that you've been asked before. I'm going to ask it anyway. I know you're big into surrounding yourself with the right people. So if you could go for like a 30 minute walk in the park with one person dead or alive to talk about whatever you'd like, you know, business, life, whatever, who would that person be and why? I'd probably choose Michael Jackson. Uh, to be honest with you, I know a lot of shit has kind of come out, uh, out about him over the past few years, but uh, after listening to his music and listening to and watching um, like This Is It, the movie, I just think he's a genius, like, you know, um, just the way he he acts with people, how he communicates with, like, the lights and sound, and he's, I just think he's a genius, like, because 
um like on the on the side of all the stuff um all the business stuff like i really enjoy getting down and creative and really hands-on with things and i can like i can kind of relate to how his brain just kind of gets deeper and deeper and deeper into the into kind of the concept of the song or the or the show um and i would love to just have a chat with him and just kind of look at his brain and how it works good answer and who knows what way you know technological advancements and things would be like maybe it'll be possible in 20 or 30 years or something <laughs> like that but uh, yeah no good answer man it's always an interesting one as well because, and i like asking like you know not a business person like a lot of people would say elon musk or richard branson or someone really relevant right now is doing cool things so it's so it's good to get an outside the box answer and um, kev listen we uh we appreciate the time, man. I think I'm going to wrap it up there. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure to sit down with you. Uh, some really good answers to the questions as well. I know they were tough. And I, I can't wait to see the moves you make. I know you're only 20. Just the people you're working with and the mindset you've got, um, I think regardless of what you're doing, you know, if you go down the route of visual communications, continue with Sneaker Cleaner, I think it's going to be an, an exciting decade for you for sure. I'm sure our listeners agree. For people looking to find more about you, about Sneaker Cleaner, do you want to tell them where they can go to find out more? Yeah, sure. You can hit me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not very active on that, to be honest with you. You'd be better off messaging me on, on Instagram. It's just Onzy, O-W-E-N-S-E-Y. Um, and from there, we can have a chat because I'm always like, yeah, I'm a big networker, as I was kind of saying. And I love just hopping on and having kind of virtual coffees with people um, and just having the chats and and stuff like that so uh, if you want to have a chat i'm more than happy to to hop on and have a chat with you because i love chatting to new people and getting to know new people sweet good stuff daily will thanks again for coming on kev and for everyone listening we will see you next week thanks for listening to the kickstart garage this show is for entertainment purposes only this show is for entertainment purposes only no one on the show has provided investment advice the information provided by the kickstart garage podcast should not be construed as investment advice the opinions and views expressed on the kickstart garage podcast or those of the participants do not reflect those of the host or sponsors Kickstart Garage, its producers, sponsors, hosts, and guests shall not be liable for losses resulting from the investment decisions based upon the opinions or viewpoints presented on the Kickstart Garage.